This is Thurman Hayes, pastor of First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. We want to welcome you to this message from our services at First Baptist. We're a congregation that is seeking to touch lives through the life-changing power of the gospel. I pray that you'll encounter Christ in his power and love even now as you listen. guys can be seated. I want to invite you to open your Bibles to Acts chapter 1. If you're here or you're watching at home today, uh, turn your Bibles uh, to the first chapter of Acts. We're talking about the ascension of Christ uh, today. And as I said, Ascension Day was this past Thursday. But today we need to know that he's on the throne. That the crisis that our world is going through, or even that you may be going through today, doesn't rule and reign. Christ rules and reigns. He's on the throne. Acts chapter 1, and let's look this morning, follow along in your Bibles, and let's look at the first 11 chapters of the first chapter of Acts. Luke says, I wrote the First narrative, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up, after he had given instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After he had suffered, he also presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While he was with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise, which he said, you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom to Israel at this time? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After he had said this, he was taken up as they were watching, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going, they were gazing into heaven, and suddenly two men in white clothes stood by them. They said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into heaven? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come in the same way that you have seen him going into heaven. Back in March, when this crisis first hit, I was thinking about something that happened in the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina in New Orleans. And in the days after that, I was with a meeting of pastors. And there were some pastors from South Louisiana that had shared about all the devastation that had happened there. And my friend Ken Witten, a pastor in Florida, was asked to pray. And I'll never forget the moment when Ken stood and prayed. He said, Lord, remind us that what's over our heads is under your feet. I shared that story on March 15th, the first Sunday that we were out of church, and I'm sharing it again on this Sunday, the first Sunday that we are back in church, because the message that we need to understand today is that our Lord rules and reigns. He is on the throne. So what do we see here in this first part 
of Acts chapter 1. First of all, we see the continuing work of the king. The continuing work of the king. Let's look uh, beginning in, in verse 1. Luke says, I wrote the first narrative, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach. And so when Luke talks about the first narrative, he's talking about the gospel of Luke. See, the gospel of Luke and Acts are like volume one and volume two of the same book. And he says that in my first narrative, in the gospel of Luke, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach. In other words, his work continues because he's alive. One of the images that we will always carry away from us when this crisis is over is the image of cultures ground to a halt. I'll never forget the day in January when I clicked into social media and I saw uh, an aerial video, it was from a drone, that was flying over the city of Wuhan, China. And this massive city with super highways and skyscrapers and busy streets looked empty. It was haunting. And we never imagined that just a couple of months later that that would be American cities. We'll always carry these images of kind of cultures ground to a, a halt. But listen, the work of God has continued during this time. It has continued around the world. One of the most encouraging things that I received, it was early in this crisis, it was from one of our missionaries, one of our international workers, who emailed and he said this, God is still working. He is not distracted, delayed, or derailed by the coronavirus. No, he is not. He has continued to be at work overseas and here. And I am so thankful for our church and your faithfulness during this time because you guys have been so faithful uh, to, to plug into worship uh, on Facebook or on our church website or on uh, DVD. You've been so faithful uh, in continuing to stay connected to one another during this time and your, your calls and on Zoom, and, um, and, and, and you've served our community during this time. Uh, people making masks for, and shields for healthcare workers. People out delivering meals to healthcare workers and the elderly. And you guys have been so faithful in, in continuing to give your tithes and offerings, which impact us not only here, but around the world. We have continued to be at work as a church because the work of God is not shut down. It is continued. And so we see here the continuing work of the king. Second, we see the promise of the king. The promise of the king. And we see that in verses four and five. While he was with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise, which he said, you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. 
notice here, that the Holy Spirit was something that was promised. It was promised by the prophets in the Old Testament. He was promised by Jesus multiple times. What what does Jesus say in, in John 14 and verses 16 and 17? Jesus says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him, but you do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. Jesus says in John 15, verses 26 and 27, when the counselor comes, the one I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. You also will testify because you have been with me from the beginning. So notice here that Jesus says that when the Spirit comes, that as we bear testimony, as his witnesses, that the Spirit will testify through us, which is exactly what Jesus is saying here in Acts 1.8. Let's go back to Acts 1 and look at verse 8. Jesus says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit empowers us to speak boldly of the good news of Jesus to others. You may have heard the expression, preach the gospel at all times, if necessary, use words. It's kind of like saying feed the hungry at all times if necessary, use food. We must speak the good news of the gospel in words, right? Now, our words need to be undergirded by our actions, actions of, of, of love. Otherwise, people will not listen to what we say. But nevertheless, for people to come to Christ, we must speak. We must speak of the work of Christ, the good news of Jesus. And if you will be obedient in doing that, if you will just begin to open your mouth and talk about the work of Christ to people, you will experience the Holy Spirit empowering you to do that. And Jesus says that we are to do that to the ends of the earth. We begin here in our community. We begin with family members and friends and neighbors who, who need Christ. But, but it doesn't end there. We're to do that to the ends of the earth. You say, well, how can I, I, I can't personally go everywhere. No, none of us can personally go everywhere. But through our church's partnership with the International Mission Board, we are senders of a force of workers that is absolutely committed to going to every people group, every tribe and tongue with the gospel. And those who give faithfully to send them are every bit as much a part of the team as those who go. Our missionaries will tell you that. And so we see the promise of the king. Third, the ascension of the king. The ascension of the king. Verses 9 through 11. After he had said this, he was taken up as they were watching and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going, they were gazing into heaven And suddenly two men in white clothes stood by them. They said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into heaven? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come in the same way that you have seen him going into heaven. 
Now the ascension of Christ is, it's a neglected doctrine, but it's a key part of Christ's work. Listen, Christ was born of a virgin. He lived the life we should have lived. He died the death we should have died. And he rose on the third day. But that is where we often stop. That's not where the Bible stops. The Bible says that he ascended to the right hand of God the Father Almighty where he reigns as king and that he is coming again as king. We need to know the whole story. And so I wanna share with you this morning three reasons why the ascension is good news for Christ followers. Three reasons the ascension is good news for Christ followers. I'm thankful for New Testament scholar Patrick Schreiner, who's writing a book on the ascension um, for these three, putting these three reasons together, okay? Three reasons the, the ascension is good news for Christ followers. First of all, <clears throat> the ascension is good news for us because the ascension installs Jesus as Lord of all. He's the king. The ascension installs Jesus as Lord of all, the king. Listen, when Jesus was questioned by the authorities about his identity, are you the Messiah? How did he answer? Luke 22 and verse 69. Jesus says there, but from now on, the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of the power of God. In other words, Jesus was saying that, that my ascension is, is going to be the confirmation and authorization of my kingship. Daniel 7 is one of the key Old Testament scriptures in the New Testament. The New Testament authors reference Daniel 7 many times. Part of what we see in Daniel 7 is the scene in heaven as Jesus has ascended to the Father, the heavenly throne room. Let's look at Daniel 7 and verse 9. First of all, Daniel 7 and verse 9. As I kept watching, thrones were set in place, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. All right, that's Yahweh, God the Father. His clothing was white like snow, and the hair of his head like white as wool. His throne was flaming fire, its wheels were blazing fire. But now something else happens. Daniel 7 and verse 13. I continued watching in the night visions. And suddenly one like a son of man, Jesus, was coming with the clouds of heaven. Remember he ascends in the clouds. Now he's coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient of days and was escorted before him. He was given dominion and glory and a kingdom so that those of every people, nation, and language should serve him. Notice the missionary heart of God. 
His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will not be destroyed. Psalm 110.1 is the most quoted verse of the Old Testament in the New Testament. What does it say? Psalm 110.1 says, this is the declaration of the Lord. Lord is in all caps, right? Since it's Yahweh, the Father. The declaration of the Lord to my Lord. Jesus, the King. Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. And now the Apostle Paul brings all of this together in 1 Corinthians 15, 25 and 26, it says, For he must reign until he puts all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be abolished is death. Oh, we've heard so much about death over these past few months. But there is coming a time when death is going to be abolished. No more death. He will wipe away every tear from our eyes. This is incredible news for us, good news. But because it means that no matter what the trials and tribulations are in our lives, it means that if you are in Christ, your future could not be more glorious. Some of you are, I'm sure, walking through trials today. Some of you who are here, some of you who are watching. And you're walking through a, a deep valley, or maybe a crisis in your life. Some of you are, are mourning the loss of loved ones, and you're walking through a valley of grief. Some of you are going through a problem with your, related to your job, or maybe you are without a job. Some of you are going through pain in a marriage or pain maybe with one of your children that's not walking with the Lord. Maybe you're walking through depression or an addiction. You need to understand something. What we're talking about doesn't minimize the pain that we go through in this world but it does put it into perspective. If you are in Christ, your future, listen to me, is glorious. <laughs> the trials of this life will not last. They are temporary. Our king is coming again. You are destined for glory. The crisis that the world is going through today and the crisis that maybe you're walking through today does not rule and reign. The Christ rules and reigns. And so the ascension is good news because it installs Jesus as Lord of all. He's the king. Second, the ascension is good news because it begins Christ's heavenly intercession and advocacy for us. He's our priest our great high priest. The ascension begins Christ's heavenly intercession and advocacy for us. 
He's our priest. So what did priests do in the Old Testament? Priests in the Old Testament represented the people before God, right? The priests would go into the tabernacle and later into the temple covered in blood, covered in the blood of of lambs that had been sacrificed. But, But none of those lambs could actually atone for sin. They only pointed to the one who would atone for sin. When John the Baptist saw Jesus approaching him, for the first time, what did he say? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so now the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world has been slain. His blood has been shed on our behalf. He has ascended to the right hand of, of God. His blood shed for us who trust in him. And there he is our advocate and our intercessor at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. He acts as a priest on our behalf. Now, the book of Hebrews is just filled with this. Let's look at a few verses from Hebrews. First of all, Hebrews 4 and verses 14 through 16. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Hebrews 8 and verses 1 and 2. Now the main point of what is being said is this. We have this kind of high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and the true tabernacle that was set up by the Lord and not man. Hebrews 9, 24 through 26. For Christ did not enter a sanctuary made with hands, only a model of the true one, but into heaven itself so that he might now appear in the presence of God for us. He did not do this to offer himself many times as the high priest enters the sanctuary yearly with the blood of another. Otherwise, he would have had to suffer many times since the foundation of the world. But now he has appeared one time at the end of the ages for the removal of sin by the sacrifice of himself. And so, Christ, our great high priest, is at the right hand of God and he is, he is ad, if you are in Christ, he is advocating for you. He says, she's, she knows me, she's one of mine. I'm not ashamed of her. He says, he's, he's one of mine. My blood was shed for him, I'm not ashamed of him. And he is advocating for us as believers, not on the basis of our righteousness, but on the basis of his perfect righteousness and his shed blood for us. First John 
chapter two and verse one. My little children, I am writing you these things so that you may not sin, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is there at the right hand of God advocating for you and he is praying for you. He is interceding for you. Romans 8, 33 and 34. Who will bring any charge against those God has cho- whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Is that good news? Say amen. Third reason the ascension is such good news. The ascension launches Christ's new mission through the Spirit and his people. He's a prophet. The ascension launches Christ's new mission through the Spirit and his people. He's the prophet. He is prophet, priest, and king. So a prophet, when we look at prophets in the Old Testament, prophets were ones who spoke for God, right? And so now, on this side of the resurrection, as this new mission to win the world of Christ has been launched, the, the, and the Spirit has been poured out, the Spirit is, is speaking through God's people, continuing the prophetic work of the King. John chapter 16 and verses seven and eight. Jesus says, nevertheless, I am telling you the truth. It is for your benefit that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the counselor will not come to you. If I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment. You say, well, how in the world is it good news for the mission, for evangelism and missions that Jesus is no longer bodily with us, that he has ascended. It's because Jesus is saying that after I ascend, the Holy Spirit is going to be poured out. And it's the Spirit that is going to empower God's people to speak the message of Christ and carry it around the world. It is the spirit that is going to bring conviction to the hearts of people. He will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And what we're gonna talk about next week, so we look at Acts 2 on Pentecost Sunday, is we're gonna talk about the pouring out of the spirit of God. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for the good news of Christ. We thank you that Jesus is our ascended king at your right hand. We thank you that his blood was shed for sinners and that he is risen and that death has been defeated and will one day be abolished. And and Father, just pray not only for the people in this room but for anyone who is watching this video on Facebook or our church website or on DVD. Father, I pray that you would work in hearts right now. Maybe in the hearts of believers that needed this word of of encouragement. Lord, would you encourage people, comfort people,
Bring conviction to people through the power of your spirit. Father, I pray for anyone who may be listening or watching who is uncertain of where they are in a relationship with you. Oh, Father, how I pray that they would see your great love today through your son and that, Lord, you would open their hearts to respond in repentance and faith, turn to Jesus and trust him as Savior, Lord, and King. We pray it in his precious name. Amen. So um, we're going to end in a, in a different way um, today. Rather than having kind of a song of, uh, of, uh, of invitation, um, what, what I want to encourage you to do is that uh, after you're dismissed, I'm going to be at the outside, and uh, we, I encur- we encourage you just uh, fellowship together. Um, outside, and I'll be outside. Our other pastors will be outside. If, if you're here with a, a need, you need, to, you need to pray with the pastor, talk with the pastor. We are going to be out there uh, for you, okay? And so I want to close us today with a special uh, word of benediction from Scripture. This is a blessing that we see in the sixth chapter of Numbers in verses 24 through 26. And I just want to end this as, uh, as God's blessing for, for you as, as we go today. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Whether you're in this room or whether you're watching today, you go in peace and serve the Lord. And if you're here uh, right now, uh, our ushers are going to begin uh, dismissing you uh, row by row. So just wait. I hope you've been blessed by this message. Christ is the answer for every need, now and for all eternity. As someone once said, Jesus plus nothing equals everything, and everything minus Jesus equals nothing. Have you trusted in Jesus as your Savior? If not, why not now? His arms are open wide to receive you. It may help to pray a prayer like this. Father, I know that you are holy and that I have sinned and fallen short of your glory. I know that you are a righteous God who must punish sin, but I believe that your son Jesus took my punishment for me, died in my place, and rose from the dead so that I could have eternal life. Right now, I turn to Jesus and trust in his finished work for me. In his name I pray, amen. You know, the Bible says this in John 1:12. To all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And that means that if you've received Christ, God has adopted you as his beloved child, his very own son or daughter. Just imagine it. Almighty God, the Lord of this universe, the one who possesses all authority in heaven and earth, is now your loving Father, and you are his child. You say, I love him. How can I honor God with the rest of my life? Well, when you love someone, you want to spend time with him. We get to know God through his word, through prayer, and through his people. I would encourage you to pick up a copy of the Bible and begin to read it. Begin to pour out your heart to him in prayer. And find a church family where the Bible is preached, where Christ is exalted, and where his love is flowing. If you're local, I want to invite you to the church I pastor, First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. I'd love to meet you and help you in your Christian journey. I would love to connect you to some other people who love the Lord and who would love you too. Come to one of our services. We worship at 8.30 and 11 on Sunday mornings. Be sure to speak to me before or after the service. Maybe you live outside our area. I'd love for you to write me. 
My email is pastor at fbcsuffolk.org. Tell me what God is doing in your life. If you have spiritual questions I could help you with, please let me know. We're on this journey together.